Okay, uh, go to Exodus chapter 32. That's really the basis for this series uh, tonight. It's the beginning, you might say, the stepping off spot. We started this morning, and uh, Exodus 32. It'll take a minute or two to get there, but uh, I just want you to know that that is uh, where we're uh, going to start uh, tonight. Um, we started this series this morning. I gave you 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through uh, 16, or through 17, really, supposed to be, but uh, giving you those verses. And we showed uh, you, really, the story about Eve, Adam and Eve. And there he talked about uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's how the devil first brought us down. Now, that's the way the devil still works in the world today. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and through the pride of life. And he's bringing down ministries, he's bringing down uh, various churches, Christians, and so forth like that around this country. Uh, we were, I just shared with uh, several of our people around here, a video I got of some man's uh, podcast that he was uh, at one time supposed to be a fundamental Baptist preacher and teacher. And he was trying to transition his people out of and his church and he's he's got a series on how to transition your church out of the King James Bible. And I thought, well man, you know, at least he got a right name for transition. Because uh, when somebody is born a male and they say they're going to transition to a female, they're not transitioning, though they think they are. The guy's got the right Bible, the King James Bible, and he's going to transition out of it. At least uh, he knows that he's going from the real to that that applies to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so I just think that it's terrible that somebody go like that and actually hold meetings in other areas to teach pastors, especially younger pastors, how to transition out of the King James Bible. Why do they want to go out away from the truth? Because people don't like the truth, because it hits them where they live a lot of times. And so that's, that's what comes along. And so it's it's terrible that it is like that. But uh, we started there with those verses and just letting you know uh, that the main thing that you really need to, as we go into this study over the next few weeks, what I want you to just really grasp, ask God to show it to you. I mean, ask God by His Holy Spirit to reveal this to you very clearly. It's very important that you do to know this clearly. Just what is the holiness of God? What, what does that holiness of God have to do in relationship to me? And just pray, Lord, help me to know and understand what the holiness of God is. And I warned you this morning, and, and I'll say it again because I know this by experience. When you pray that way and you really mean it from your heart, you'll pretty well grow to abhor yourself and say, what a filthy mess that needs deep cleansing. When you realize what we are compared to the holiness of God, and you see, begin to see His great grace, His great mercy that He's had to us, when you know He is an all-holy God. And so that's essential because uh, really when we look at this series uh, that I'm going here, is, it has to do with Satan's strategy to defeat believers. His strategy down through the ages to defeat believers. And that's what we're going to see in this series. I'm just going to take you through various 
thing as strategy to defeat believers down through these uh, history. It's really a history of it. We're going to look through the Bible. We see that that happened over and over. The Old Testament, the New Testament. It happens over and over. Satan has a strategy. And understanding his holiness and then looking at the fact that he tells us to love not the world, the things that are in the world, because that's where we're going to find defeat in our lives. And so, uh, if we're, not, we're to love not the world, let me just read that. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man, uh, if, uh, love not the world, let me find my place. I lost my place that quick, okay. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That doesn't mean the Father doesn't love you. It means that you don't really have the love for God in you that you should have. You just don't have it. And that's the idea that is there. Verse 16 said, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the, uh, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. Uh, as a matter of fact, it goes on to say, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Think of the world, we was telling you, I'm just kind of giving you a review right now. Think of the world as both the world system and the world culture. That's the way it is. We were kind of ending up today as just saying, men say, well, if you do this, you'll go to heaven. If you do this, you'll go to heaven. Uh, do this, nothing to worry about. This, this. Do. They have things that are not based on the Word of God. They tell you. But listen. The wisdom of man, the knowledge of man, the ability to know of man, of his own self, is equal to imbecile when compared to the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding of God. Go by His Word because that's where we have His Word and His truth, and we know the way. And so, we pointed out how, as we looked at these things, that the devil appealed to uh, Eve, the lust of the eyes. Well, she has been in that garden. She's been eating the fruit. She, she hadn't complained about any fruit yet. We don't see any idea that she ever complained about it. But they all had different tastes. And she saw, saw that one and said, whoa, that looks good. Man, that really looks good. And so the lust of the eyes. Then the lust of the flesh kicked in right after that because there's a serpent there talking to her about it. I, I don't doubt that he, he already had the knowledge of good and of evil, the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of. And, oh, he's telling her how good it is, how great it is. He's just trying to make her mouth begin to salivate for this fruit of how good it is. And then he goes for the pride of life. You know, God doesn't really want you to eat this because you'll be like him. Man, we think of ourselves being up there on that level. You know, man, get me on that level. Then we begin to have the pride of life that kicks in. That's what kicked into her at that time. That's, that's what it become. I mean... You think about it, until that time it was only her and Adam. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, Eve, you're the only woman in the world for me. <laughs> you know, and uh, you're the only man for me. But uh, listen, what uh, that just didn't work out too long, did it? Uh, they still sinned against God. 
And when they sinned, they knew they sinned. Now just think, it was justified in her mind to say it was good to eat. Yes, God said not to eat of it, but then there's a reason God said that. He doesn't really want me to be like him because I just found that out. And so she took the word of the serpent, who was really infilled by Satan and could talk because of that. And she took that word over the word of God. And that's been the history throughout the ages of man saying, I know God said this, but. And then we add Jesus' name to whatever that but is, and we say, okay, well, but, you know, and we add Jesus' name, we try to add that to it, then it makes it all right in our mind. And no, it doesn't. Rather, we see God's anger throughout uh, that is demonstrated there. So we covered all of that this morning. And then in verse 17, he said, The world passed away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He's given you your key to success, to victory in your Christian life. The will of God. No, when you grow to know the holiness of God, then you'll know that any time that Satan is trying to put a counterfeit, you know, God would like you to do this. He's done that with churches. You know, keep the songs, but uh, put a rock beat to it. Put the globes up there, you know, the, the, the strobe lights and the other things that you have. Put those things in there. And it's all in the name of Jesus, but it's just making it better. As if they could find something that is better than what God has. And so, throughout the history of mankind, that is what has happened. It's not that bad. <clears throat> and how many have dismissed things in their mind as it's not that bad. That cannot be said of any sin whatever. Now among us it would probably be said of that. But in God, an all holy God, there's no sin that is not that bad. And until you believe that and know that is the truth, uh, that is always going to bring you down. You'll always find then His truth and His will is in His Word. Now I'm going to give you one verse here and then a, a word of prayer. And so the verse is going to be, it's not going to be a text for tonight, it's just going to be for right now for this moment to get us started. But it's going to be in, in Psalms uh, chapter 103 and verse 20. I shared that with several people this week, uh, during the week, and it's just one that spoke to me in my own time with the Lord. But uh, there it says, Bless the Lord. Ye his angels, that excelleth in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. That can be looked at in two ways. His word is forever settled in heaven, but his word is also preserved on earth. And so, God by his Holy Spirit speaks to us through His Word, that is, the Word of God, the Bible. He speaks to us through this King James Bible. He speaks to us by His Holy Spirit. And just as people who learn how to tell a counterfeit coin, counterfeit money, and I, I, when I was in college working in an old TGNY store, uh, my manager sent me down to the bank and says, you've got to pick up a, a 
to take this $20 bill and give it to the bank. They had a counterfeit $20 bill. I got down there, I'd been looking at that thing, saying, looks, looks real to me. And I asked the lady, I said, can I see it? And she showed it to me. I said, it looks the same to me. It did. I, I wouldn't know the difference. And then she started saying things. I still had a hard time seeing the things that she was saying. It was just that little bit of difference that they were able to counterfeit it. And people were using it. And, and so we had to give them the $20 bill because the ones that turned the $20 bill in uh, to them is one that we got through the cash registers. But what I'm saying is, is this. They got to know the counterfeit so well. They didn't have to, uh, the, the real thing so well, they knew a counterfeit right away. You don't have to know what evil is to know that it's evil. Know what holiness is. Know what righteousness is. Know what the real Word of God says. Then you'll know it. That's why His Spirit speaks to you to teach you the Word of God. And it's up to us to hide God's Word in our heart that we might not sin against God. And so... Uh, we, that's the measure for each of us is the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. And, and we view all things in the light of His Word, not in the light of the culture, the world system. Love not the world. So keep that in mind as we progress in this series. Father, I pray now as we go into this uh, series now, Lord, and, and we just started this morning and then just this introduction tonight. I pray that you just continue to speak to the hearts of uh, men and women like to know you all the more intimately, all, all the more closely. Lord, I need you tonight. So, Father, I, I'm calling upon you to just give me every word and every part of this as you would have it to be said and done in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, again, God clearly is warning us not to love or even be, seek to be relevant to this world. The only relevancy we have to this world is simply we are saved, so many are not saved, and the relevance that we have to the world is that we are to be their witnesses and we should be holy witnesses. We are representing and we are carrying the hope that they have of eternal life in Jesus Christ. We carry that with us through His Word. And so, as we saw in Psalms 103, verse 20, uh, yeah, bless the Lord continually, ye angels. You know, angels were messengers. That's, the word angel means messenger. If you read in the book of Revelation, he'll start talking to the uh, churches, the seven churches there, and he says, to the angel of the church at Sardis, the, to the angel of the church at uh, Laodicea, to the angel of these different churches. It's not talking about one of the heavenly angels, it's talking about a, a, a pastor, a messenger. The word angel means messenger. The angels of heaven were messengers for God. And they still are God's messengers. Sometimes, though, I mean, not sometimes, but all the time. I don't know about you, I've never seen an angel. And who knows? Uh, most people's idea of an angel is uh, robed in white robes and these wings on his back, and they've figured out how the wings go on their back. Everything, I mean, everything about what an angel looks like has been drawn by man. Now, we do talk about wings of angels in the Bible and things like that, but really, 
We don't know what an angel looks, <clears throat> looks like. As a matter of fact, when the three men appeared unto Abraham in the book of Genesis, only one of them was the Son of God. The two that walked on to Sodom were angels that looked like unto men. That's why when they got to Lot's house and they were going to come in and take those men, they struck them with blindness. So, understand an angel is a messenger of God. And as his children, he's in that sense made us messengers of God to this world to carry the gospel. Oh, we have a lot of churches in Ocala. But there's still more unsaved people in Ocala than there are saved. So we've got to keep that in our minds as we look forward here. So it's the, the world system is clearly what we're not to love or be a part of or be relevant to it. We must choose God over the world. We must choose Him over the false. Christ must be our all in all, and God's Word tells us how to live that life. So we listen to His voice through His Word as the Holy Spirit begins to open it up to us. That's why we find that the Apostle says, uh, through the Word of God giving it to him, by the Holy Spirit breathing it to him, is to give attendance, talking to Timothy, Give attendance to reading, but also was to the preaching of the word, the exhortation. They were to give attendance to that. Why? The preaching of the word. Listen to it. Read the word. Listen to it. Let God speak to your heart. And so keep all those things in mind as we're moving forward. Exodus 32, uh, we see how. The appeal of Egypt, which the Scripture, uh, throughout the Scriptures, throughout the Scriptures you'll find so often, especially as you get in the New Testament, Egypt is a type of the world. A type of the world with its lust and its pride. And when the people, verse 1 says, of uh, Exodus chapter 32, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. Now right there you already know, people are noticing that, Aaron, that Moses is not back yet. He's been on that mountain. We saw that mountain thundering and lightning. We could not go even near it. Would have killed us. Evidently, God's taking him out. They're talking and talking up to one another, and they're coming up with some ideas. Then they go to Aaron. They go to Aaron and uh, said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought, brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Now, Here's a guy that he's brought him up out of the land. They know that. He's brought him up there. But now they're sent as for him. <laughs> you know, he has nothing to do with it anymore because he's obviously dead. He brought us out of Egypt. So he says, we want not <clears throat> uh, what is become of him. 
I'm trying to imply he's probably dead. He's been up there a long time. He hasn't had much food. Matter of fact, after this thing is over, God will send him up for another 40 days and 40 nights before he actually, they actually get the law. Before they get the, the commandments and the law, he's up there another 40 days and 40 nights fasting without food. Now, isn't that interesting, though? To get the law that was so important, to have that delivered unto Moses was 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus in the wilderness is tempted 40 days and 40 nights. That he might be an acceptable sacrifice without sin. The law told us what sin is. But Jesus Christ provided the deliverance from the penalty of our sin. And so, both of these were needed, and God sent them. So the people gathered together, and there's Moses. You ever notice that that happens in churches, it's happened in churches across this country. When something comes up, people gather together and they start talking. And they talk like they know all about it, because they talk to so-and-so, man, he knows about it, oh, oh, she knows about it, you know. And oh yeah, they got, they got it right up there, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's all, that one's all wrong. Oh, listen, we've got to do something about this. And you don't know a thing. You don't ever go to the people they're talking about. If you went to the very person that they were uh, putting down, then you would know better. Uh, years ago, uh, Evangelist Tom Farrell, who's with the Lord now, was here in a revival meeting. And in that revival meeting, boy, I mean, he was hitting it pretty hard. We had a, a lot of souls saved and things like that. And... Uh, there's a man, so ladies, I'll let you off the hook here, okay? It was a man who started going around telling people, uh, Pastor Andy doesn't want Tom Farrell to come back again. He doesn't want to say, they, they had a falling out and they, uh, all that, and Pastor just isn't going to have him back again. Well, the first person came up and said that to me. I says, well, that's the first time I'm hearing it. You know, and, and so I said, I knew the man. I said, he's going to spread that. So I'm going to have some, I like to have fun. I said, I'm going to have fun with this. So I waited for about three weeks, because through that three weeks, I kept hearing that over and over again. After about three weeks, it died down. Then I got up here on that Sunday night, and I said, folks, I got to apologize to all of you. Before the revival, and this is true, before the revival meeting was over, Brother Farrell and I set up when he was going to come back again. We got the date set, and I told him the dates and everything. And I said, I should have told you that. And I, I, I'm sorry I didn't tell you that. Now, if anybody told you differently than that, then you know that whatever that person says to you again, you can't trust. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wasn't trying to hurt the guy. I was trying to make people aware that you can't trust people just because they said it and they say it with authority like they really know. And they don't know nothing. Okay. But... It's a man that I knew before said, I shouldn't be talking about those people, but it's fun. And so often that's what it comes down to, and they don't really know that they're doing it because it's fun to them. But you notice the people do gather together. Where is Moses? So they're talking and they're speculating. Then when the things are just going on and on, 
different things are being said. There are people who have the idea what they think should be done at this time and what they want done. So when they begin to spread their gossip about Moses, look up there on the mountain. Can you see him? We can't see him. He's not there. You saw how the mountain quaked. You saw, you heard the lightning. Not even the animals can go there. God took them up there to kill them. Boy, I tell you, that gets going on around there, the gossip. And it's so contrary to what God wanted and was actually doing for the people. And given the Ten Commandments and the law. And so they spread that. And they wanted to get things there. They, they, they wanted these things that for Aaron to put together for them to help them with it. He's a priest, so he's got this position. We'll get his help to help us with it. And see, what they were doing was more in line with the culture of the world. These people that were coming to Aaron were not led of God. There is no indication in the Word of God that they were led of God. And there is no evidence of biblical direction. None whatever. You see, whatever scriptures they had that were spoken were corrupted, just as men do today, as 2 Corinthians says, they corrupt the Word of God. They try to say, it. well, that's what it says, but that's not what it means. They try to change it all around, and that was going on even back in that day, because they wanted it to coincide with their worldly desires for their interpretations instead of doing God's will, God's way. And so we find in verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, uh, uh, in the ears of your wives and your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people, they break off the golden earrings which were in the ears, and they brought them unto Aaron, and he received them at their hand. Now, Aaron's a godly man, but godly men can be deceived when they don't walk with God. I mean, it doesn't take much to get away from the Lord, and you get away from Him, and you don't go by His Word. <clears throat> he was depending on Moses. He and Moses worked pretty good together. But he didn't stand on the Word of God that he should have been standing on. He did not stand as he should have stood. And yet, I think he has a fear of God. And so, he takes it out their hand, and he fashioned it with a graving tool. And after he had made it, a molten calf. And they said, not Moses, not Aaron, not God. They said, okay, we don't see Moses saying this. We don't see God saying this. Not even Aaron is saying this. It says, they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. 
Now, they're taking what God said in Egypt that He was going to deliver them from. What He did in Egypt, they're just going away from that. God in Egypt judged all those false gods of the Egyptians. And then when they would escape, the armies of Egypt would follow them. God would part the Red Sea and they would go across on dry ground. But as soon as the Egyptians and their armies went in, God let go of the waters and they all drowned. And what God did at the water of Meribah to finish that, the water was, oh boy, it was spoiled. It wasn't good. It's bad water. He told Moses, cut down that tree, throw it in there. And boy, that water became good and pure and they could all drink. They witnessed those miracles. So now they're here. This is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. They're saying, these gods delivered us. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. It says in verse 5, And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. Now, you got your King James Bible. One thing you want to notice there, the word Lord is in all capitals. In a King James Bible, that's referring to Almighty Lord and God. Okay. The Lord, the word in our King James there that's in all capitals, the word in the Hebrew is Yahweh. Yahweh. It was translated for us, Lord. But Yahweh is referring to Almighty God. And so what they are saying now, now why would, why would Aaron make a feast unto the Lord? Maybe to get them from going that way. I don't know. We're not told. But they knew it was unto Yahweh. They knew it was unto God. Now they're saying, God used this golden calf. God gave His only begotten Son for our sin, which was our greatest need. But using a golden calf to say God had to use that in order to deliver them is just pure, not pure, but it's out and out blaspheming. Basically, those that golden calf is representing in one way a type of Christ because Christ, God would deliver us through Christ Jesus, the Father through His Son, not a golden calf. Aaron is the chief priest. He knows that it was God's hand, but he fears man. And that's been the history of the failure in so many homes, so many churches, so many Christians, the fear of man. To the point, he's trying to adjust to the culture, for he knows these people. 
These people are friends. These people are uh, family. They, they're related to him. So he wants to appease them. But dedicating it, this to, to Yahweh, maybe he's trying to prevent them from blaspheming God. But they don't see it that way, and he hasn't warned them. You see, even though they're doing it in the name of God, just like they do contemporary in the name of the Lord. Oh, we're doing this for Jesus. Did, did you hear all the words that we use? And sometimes there are some good words that you'll find in there. The golden calf didn't make it right. And the sinful music of the world doesn't make it right. Just to sound like them so that we're relevant to the world. When are you going to quit being relevant to the world and begin to be relevant to the holiness of God? See, that's the issue. But understand, some, something is going on here that is not written in the Scriptures right here. But the evidence is clearly there, which is not at that moment written, but it's going to be displayed. Now, good intentions never cover sin in God's sight. The intention of this fleshly thing will get more people involved with worship. The fleshly will get more people involved in worship. It'll appeal to their flesh. It'll appeal to their eyes. It'll appeal to their ears. It'll appeal to their pride. Look what we have. And we are beginning to see here in the wilderness a move by the people of Abraham's seed trying to appease their adaptation to the culture. To add God's name to a contemporary movement that was contemporary to that day. Satan is always involved with that that tries to make the contemporary relevant to the day instead of to God. Those movements that take the church from the Word, take them from the will, take them from the call of God, it is always, always wrong. Because God has called us unto holiness. Do you, act, do you realize that as a Christian, if you're saved, you actually do have a call of God. And that call is to be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you. In other words, I'm strongly urging you. I'm just trying to do everything to make you understand this. I beseech you, <clears throat> brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, your bodies. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Bodies? Yeah. What we live in. What my spirit indwells. Our bodies. Doesn't that tell you something? That he just doesn't want our inner man to be holy. He wants our inner man to be holy, that it affects our outer man, that it's holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's only right 
because it's the only way you worship God with your body when you are holy, acceptable unto God. And it will have nothing that has the stench of the world within it to please the flesh. Never, never, never. Adjusting to the culture and then adding God's name is never, ever right. The contemporary movements have taken the church from the Word of God and the call of God and removes them from the way God called us in calling us to holiness. Now, see what I mean here, though, by this golden calf. They made a golden calf. Well, in Egypt, where Israel were in bondage, Israel was in bondage for 400 years. Egypt has various gods. As a matter of fact, all the plagues of Egypt, God poured out plagues on each one. The frogs, how do people worship frogs? And I, I don't know. But that was one of their objects. The locusts. I mean, you name it. God judged it. Hopefully, Egypt would see they need to repent. But God's people are there witnessing how God, their God, poured out judgment on the gods of the people that had them in bondage. And they see what God did to Egypt. They also see the blasphemy of Egypt. Do you remember in one of the plagues that the Lord put upon Egypt, that it hit Egypt, but where the Israelites were in Egypt, it didn't hit that area. Only where the Egyptians dwelt. And the Lord poured out hell and fire. And those hailstones, that fire destroyed the cattle that were still in the fields. They, didn't, they were warned it's coming, and it came. It's like people get warned there's a hell and they die without Christ. It was too late to get the cattle in the barn. The hell comes down. The fires come down from heaven. And all the cattle are destroyed. But you see, the Egyptians had a golden calf they worshipped. I believe that to these Israelites, that was the most impressive to them, a golden calf. The golden calf worship, these Israelites witnessed the Egyptians worshiping the golden calf during the days of their captivity. The Israelites didn't participate in that, but they witnessed it. See, the golden calf represented the God of fertility. Uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians, where it talks about uh, speaking in tongues and it's there that there's that temple unto Aphrodite that was also 
that goddess of fertility. What they would do when they got together in there, they had what they called over a thousand vestal virgins. Probably not virgins, but nonetheless called vestal virgins. They would get a strong beat-driven music. Yes, they had beat-driven music back in that day. They'd get those drums going. They'd go into this dance. They would have less and less clothes. And it would end up in an orgy. God was warning them because when those people would get into those dances and they'd start doing that uh, music and all that they were doing and the sexual way in which it was presented, these ladies would begin to speak in tongues before they would end up with those men. It's a language they didn't know. But whatever it was, they spoke that way as it led up to the fornication that took place. And they called it worship. Well, for the Egyptians, the golden calf, their worship included drinking, dancing, nakedness, and sexual depravity. That said the Israelites did not participate in it, but they watched it. It leaves an impression on their minds. I mentioned something about the movies today and about people's devices and letting your kids have them, the things they see on the devices. It leaves an impression, folks. You know, children allow their children to go to those movies these various games and their various devices give them access. Be very careful. As I said this morning, I'll say it again in case you weren't here. If you're going to allow your kids to have those devices, they're going to allow them to have those cell phones. And as I said this morning, flip phone, they don't do that on the flip phone, do they? Oh, my kids need to be able to call me. Good, give me a flip phone. But what about these other devices? They are so much better. Yeah, that's where you get the internet. That's where you get the pornography. That's where you get so many other things. That's where you get the uh, people that uh, like to watch for certain people and grab them, especially your children. And so they look at all those things. They see those things on there. Look, you can get something, and don't ask me to explain it to you because I can't. I just know that there are people that have done it. They can go down and get their ch children an iPhone or some other kind of phone of that nature. Smartphone, I guess we call them. And you can have an app that will show you every text, everything they look at, Everything that crosses that cell phone, you will see it. Your children may not want you to have that. They may not want that from you if you're not going to let them have the other things. Why do they want the other things? Because the flesh is stronger than the spirit. 
within them. Now, folks, I'm just trying to help you wise up and save your children. Don't open that door for them. The Israelites saw what went on in Egypt. They saw it, but the effect is being seen and will grow if there's not a revival in Israel. Eventually, on down the road later in the wilderness, the ground will have to separate and swallow many of them, that they die instantly. But you see, the effect that had on them, it stayed with them. They were part of something that they weren't doing at the time. But now they want the golden calf, and we'll see when we get on into the next part of this same chapter that that's next. That God has to call Moses off the mountain because the people are dancing, they're naked, they're drinking. It happened. It's history. It's Bible. It's true. God tried to give them something to keep them from it. He delivered them, and yet he would end up having to deliver them again and again and again. Don't be so foolish that you can't learn the first time God has to correct you. Because his correction does not get easier. Now, I say all of that to say this, though. Today, a lot of you are talking about, well, you know, they have all these drag queen shows and things like that. One thing I want you to remember, though, and all this I've said tonight, I think it's been right on it. I know it's been right on it. But what I'm saying is those drag queens and those people who are caught up in these things can still be saved. They get a good gospel witness. Because I have found that whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs or something other, the sexual nature or anything else. Some of those people out there get to the bottom where they're considering suicide and you have the deliverance that can be given to them through Jesus Christ. Any of those people can get saved. It'll be hard turning from that life and yet through Christ it's not impossible if it's what their heart wants and they'll come to God and give it totally to God, He'll deliver them. But the first thing He has to do is cleanse and save their souls. And He wants you and I to take that message to them. Let's do it. Let's bow our heads.